Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Great to have you along. This is our second episode for 2024. I hope your summer's going well. It's been hella hot up around these parts, that's for sure. In this week's episode, BMW's R1300 GSA shows just how tough it is. Don't really believe everything you read on the internet when it comes to tyres. Triumph Street Triple versus Speed Triple, and we've got a brand new bike from Triumph as well. Let's get into it. And we're going to kick it off with the first new bike for 2024 announced, the Triumph Daytona 660. In 2020, Triumph released the Trident 660, followed by the Tiger Sport in 2021, both with the same 660cc engine. Both bikes were very successful, so it's time Triumph took that same engine and put it in a middleweight sports chassis. They're reviving the name Daytona, and this is going to be a little bit controversial to some, but we'll get to that shortly. The 2024 Triumph Daytona 660 is a fully feared middleweight sports bike powered by that 660cc inline three-cylinder engine providing 95 horsepower at 11,250 rpm. That's up 17% from the engine used in the Trident. Redline is 12,650 rpm which is higher than the Trident and the Tiger Sport and looking at the dyno graph there's more power and top e- in the top end from around around 7,500 RPM. It's up to 69 newton metres of torque at 8,250 RPM as well. This is all achieved by the introduction of triple throttle bodies to that engine instead of just one and a three into one header as well as a stack of brand new engine internals. Triumph is far from taking the three-banger 660 from the Trident and slapped it in a new frame. Oh no, there's a stack of new parts and a new map tune as well. Now, putting a triple in a middleweight sports bike is an interesting move. It's a class that's dominated by parallel twins, so Triumph definitely has a pretty decent point of difference here. The new Daytona has a seat height of 810mm, a split seat between rider and pillion. Suspension is by way of 41mm big piston Showa forks with 110mm of travel and Showa Monoshock RSU with three with 130mm of travel and preload adjustment at the rear. It must be noted though, the forks at the front are not adjustable. Now stopping the new Daytona is radial 4 piston brakes up front clapping on 310mm discs, rolling stock is 17 inch wheels front and rear. That front uh, that front caliper is obviously it's purchased from another brand but it's Triumph branded so um, they're going to save a little bit of coin on that one as well. Something most owners will be interested to hear though is the service intervals. Triumph says the new Daytona will have extended intervals with 16,000 kilometres between oil chains changes and a two-year unlimited mileage warranty. The new Daytona does not lack in electronics with three rider modes, sport, rain and road, ABS and switchable traction control along with ride-by-wire throttle. The same colour TFT display is seen on the Tiger Sport and compatible with the optional My Triumph connectivity system. We've got all LED lighting on this puppy and self-cancelling LED indicators can be swapped out for the scrolling LED indicators from the extensive options catalogue which has over 30 items on it including a lower seat and shift assist. This is a stunning looking bike though. 
available in three colours, white, grey, black and red. Triumph have aimed to make this bike very well priced and although New Zealand pricing is yet to be confirmed, in the UK this is going for £8,500. So given the bikes this is uh, lining up against, namely the Yamaha R7, the CBR650R and bikes like that, fully feared sport bikes-ish, um, it's going to be around the fourteen grand mark. Is my mark, is my pick? It's a, uh, a rapidly filling up part of a category in motorcycling, uh, the midweight naked, uh, sorry, midweight sports bike category. Uh, a lot of manufacturers are taking engines they already have and creating this bike. This this bikes for this category, which can be made into lambs bikes or full power bikes and triumph is doing the same thing uh, it sounds like it's going to have essentially a different map which can be unlocked by the dealer uh, so it's neutered for lambs and full power um, if you get it unlocked but that's your rundown on the triumph daytona 660 looking forward to seeing that on our shores and taking it for a ride if you want to see more go to motonz.com now, I alluded to it last week, but some people have asked me for more information. So I'm thinking about uh, getting a new bike for the shed. I've got a bit of a space in the shed, and I think I want to get something mm, a little bit sporty. So I initially wanted to go with the Speed Triple RS. I was told the Street Triple RS was a better bike, and so I thought I would dive into it and find out why. Now I already have a Tenere 700 adventure bike so something a little more sporty and road focused is what I'm looking for and in my bid for a new motorcycle I was really eyeing up that speed triple with the 1160cc engine but I was told the speed, the street triple was a better bike so I got to ride them back to back to find out why. I headed down to TSS Motorcycles, my local Triumph dealer to find out. First up was the 2023 Triumph Street Triple, powered by a liquid cooled inline 3 cylinder 765cc engine and coupled to a 6 speed transmission putting out 120 horsepower and 80 newton metres of torque rolling stock is front and rear 17 inch wheels attached to Showa 41mm upside down forks up front and Olin's STX40 rear shock. The brakes are twin 310 millimeter discs clamped on by brembo stylema four piston radial calipers up front and a 220 millimeter disc with brembo single piston caliper down the back the seat height is 826 millimeters and it's a bit higher than i expected but it's a rather comfortable perch and feels pretty narrow when standing over so no drums getting the feet on the ground 15.5 litre fuel tank fits nicely between the knees and it feels pretty light agile and nimble which stands to reason is the street triple is only 188 kgs i'm used to something that's about 220 plus so that's one bike down next was my opportunity to ride the 2023 triumph speed triple rs powered by a liquid cool liquid cooled inline three cylinder 1160 cc engine made it to a six-speed transmission putting out 180 horsepower and 125 newton meters of torque as with the Street Triple, the Speed Triple rolls on a set of 17-inch wheels attached to uh, Olin's 43mm upside-down forks up front and Olin's TTX 36 shock in the rear. Front braking is taken care of by twin 320mm floating discs with Brembo Stalema monoblock calipers and a single 220mm disc with Brembo twin piston caliper at the rear. Seat height is slightly taller than the Street Triple at 830mm. Interestingly, the Speed has 
has the same 15.5 litre fuel tank, but due to the bigger engine, weighs 198 kgs. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to ride these bikes back to back though. I think it was it's really the only way to clearly see the differences. And I now understand why I was told the street triple was a better is a better bike. It's better around town and on the motorway, which are both areas where I usually ride. It accelerates smoothly and has more than enough power to have fun. The Speed Triple obviously has more power, but it has longer legs, which leads to it feeling like it's bristling and angry and ready to race all the time. Around town, the Speed Triple spends most of its time in first gear, occasionally making it up to second, where the street was mainly second and a little, little bit of third. This ultimately means it's a more comfortable ride, and although the triple engine is smooth, the bigger 1160cc engine in the speed gives a lot more vibrations than the street. The 765 engine is an absolute gem, with power all over the rev range, and everything is just so amazingly smooth. That was my big takeaway from that bike. The quick shifter is absolute velvet, up and down, regardless of the speed, and the power is usable both around town and on the motorway. Now I took both bikes over the Wainui Amata Hill, a road I know well from my days riding it daily on the MT-07. The hill is far from smooth, a lot of it's concrete, and the undulations coupled, coupled with the subpar suspension on the Lambs MT-07 managed to chew through a set of Michelin Road 5 tyres in less than 10,000 k's. The street triple managed the hill beautifully, the suspension soaking up the undulations like nothing I've ever ridden before. Riding the same hill on the speed triple though was a bit of an anti-climax. I'm used to attacking this hill at the speed limit and feeling my pulse speed up as the adrenaline starts to kick in. But on the speed triple there was almost no sense of speed. It was able to do the speed limit without backing off easily. This is a testament to how well the bike is set up. It's a track weapon. It's a focused machine. And for these reasons, I've concluded that the Speed Triple may be better, faster and more track focused bike, but the Street Triple is a better bike for me. And don't get me wrong, the Speed Triple is a powerful bike, but it's like having a jar of cookies on the top shelf in the kitchen. You just can't reach them. You can't use them. You can't enjoy them. And if I ever did get to use the power... If I attempted it, Mr. Plod would be waiting for me just around the corner, happy to take my license away. So I'm glad I got the opportunity to ride these bikes back to back, and I guess that's the main reason dealers offer test rides, right? The Triumph Speed Triple is $30,000, and it would suck to sink that kind of money into a motorcycle to not want to ride it often because of how raw it is. The Street Triple, by comparison, is smooth, is a smooth, well-aged whiskey. Comfortable, refined, and potent, but still more than happy to put you in the gutter if you disrespect it. I'm currently getting my ducks in a row and keeping an eye on a few other models to hit the market before I pull the trigger, but the Triumph Street Triple 765 RS is clearly my front runner at this point. For more photos and heaps more, go to MotoNZ.com or go to YouTube and search out MotoNZ there. Here's one for the adventure kids. It uh, comes to us from Kiwi Rider Magazine, January 2024, Volume 1. Barely two and a half months after its world premiere, the new BMW R1300GS has proven its hard adventure credentials with unique robustness in South America. From the 6th and 7th of December 2023, starting from sea level on the Nevado Ogias del Salado, probably 
butchered that pronunciation, at 6,893 metres, the highest active volcano in the world, BMW sent a fleet of fully equipped R1300GS models into the dirt with the goal of reaching an altitude of more than 6,000 metres in less than 24 hours. The climb, which was very difficult for riders, bikes and tyres, culminates in the notorious Rock Channel on the northern flank of this particular mountain where the expedition climbed to 6,006 metres in 19 hours and 22 minutes to reach the maximum altitude of 6,027 metres. The backdrop for the expedition was the Atacama Desert in Chile, the highest active volcano chain in the world to which the Nevado Ojas del Salado belongs. The four standard BMW R1300GS models set off on December 6th at 3pm local time from a town near the port of Caldera on the Pacific Ocean. To climb the Nevado Os del Salado, uh, I'm getting that pronunciation wrong, but somebody can print, uh, can correct me in the comments. Their destination was reached on December 7th at 10.22am local time. Rolling on Metzler Carew 4 tyres, the BMW R1300GS models started from sea level on the coast of the Pacific Ocean, followed by the ascent through the Atacama Desert. And finally, up the slopes on the border between Argentina and Chile. A unique feature of the expedition was the decision to undertake it with standard motorcycles and standard tyres. That means no trickery fitting extra knobby tyres or swapping the wheels out for more enduro-friendly sizes. It was all achieved on the standard 19-inch front and 17-inch rear wheels with factory-optional Metzler Carew 4 tyres. And it's a pretty mean feat. The story goes on in Kiwi Rider magazine with a whole lot of photos and more. If you want to find out more, go to kiwirider.co.nz. Check out uh, this uh, January 2024 volume two. And finally this episode, putting more miles on my bike than most, I reckon the Rally STR from Pirelli is worth a look. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. So if you do believe what you read on the internet, Pirelli Scorpion Rally STR tyres fitted as standard to Yamaha Tenere 700s, among others, get a bad rap. The basics are that they're completely useless off-road or on, and should be changed out within the first 5 kilometres of ownership for something truly 50-50. But that's far from my experience. Now, disclosure, the following is based on my own impressions with tyres I either purchased myself, received as OEM fitment on my motorcycle, or got second-hand. Pirelli hasn't had any input in this story. There has to be a reason why not only the Tenere 700, but the Motomarini, the uh, Motomarini X-Cape, the Ducati Desert X, and a whole lot more come out of the factory with Pirelli Scorpion Rally SDR tyres fitted, right? Pirelli says the Scorpion Rally SDR was conceived for the latest generation of adventure, dual-purpose, and street enduro bikes, also capable of handling long trips and excursions, including off-road sections. For those riders that are seeking versatility, balanced on and off-road performance, and a knobby tyre with an aggressive look that does not sacrifice grip, safety, grip or safety on wet roads, doesn't sacrifice mileage, stability or comfort. So if that was the brief, I reckon Pirelli has nailed it. A street-biased tyre with the ability to go off-road. It's not a mud plugger, but can do a bit of mud. It's not a gravel or sand tyre, but it can do a bit of both. It's a compromise. Which, if we think deeply about it, pretty much sums up all our adventure motorcycles. They're all 
a compromise. None of us are Paul Tarez, Chris Birch, or Toby Price. Unless you guys are listening, then um, uh, hi. The point is, we all need a tyre that can do it all on our bikes. That can do it all. We're all effectively unicorn hunters, right? Now, I've been running the SDRs for a while. After chewing through the OEM tyres on my T7, I noticed riders whipping the, the SDRs off, which still have plenty of life left in them, and going for something else they perceived as a bit of a hero tyre. Well, I think if they're going to waste, I'll run them on my bike no problem. I managed to pick up a few sets for next to nothing, and given how much commuting I do on the bike, I'm stoked with the performance. In the last 40,000 kilometres, I've done probably 20,000 on STR tyres, taking a quick break to try out the Midas EO7 Plus. The Pirelli Scorpions have taken me through some pretty diverse and rough conditions, from the rocky, stony, rugged trails of the Akatanawa Forest, to the sandy beaches of Red Rocks, and through some slippery, wet and muddy paddocks in Wided Upper. Not to mention the length of the South Island on State Highway 1 and back up some of the best gravel roads you'll ever see in Central Otago. I've managed to get some incredible life out of these tyres. Not only do they manage off tar seal conditions perfectly well, but they're an excellent road tyre for when your adventure bush pig decides it wants to keep up with some of the sport bikes on the Rimutakas. While it stands to reason that having all the knobs in a horizontal row may decrease or reduce your lateral grip, it also means the knobs are bigger and more resistant to damage. This means the tyre is good for 10,000 kilometres plus if you don't abuse it. Speaking of lateral grip, I actually prefer the STRs for their slightly looser rear end feel on gravel. Not only is it fun, but it means you don't only have the front wheel to aid in getting around a corner. With a trained right wrist, you can bring the rear around with control also. Speaking of a trained right wrist, the STR is fine in more slippery off-road conditions if you can get a feel for the throttle. Come across some mud on a trail? Well, every tyre has its downsides, and these aren't amazing in mud, but it's not as though we play in mud all day every day, right? With a bit of momentum and power, I've not found a muddy hole or wet grassy paddock I couldn't get through yet, and having all the knobs in a row does make for a reasonable sand tyre. It's not all roses though, the front tyre is a little vague off-road. I can really only put this down to the lack of a hard edge on the knobs. That said, the profile of the SDR tyres on-road really does make them feel like a street tyre, allowing the motorcycle to really lean over and maintain traction beautifully in the tarmac twisties. It's all a trade-off, right? I guess tyres are one of those things where one man's trash is another man's treasure. The Pirelli Scorpion Rally SDR tyres are far better than some on the internet would have you believe, but feel free to keep swapping out perfectly good brand new tyres because it's keeping me well stocked. For more on this story and some stunning photos, go to Kiwi Rider Magazine and check out January 2024 volume 2 and that about wraps up the episode thank you so much for listening really appreciate your support uh, check out Kiwi Rider magazine kiwirider.co.nz two episodes absolutely free uh, twice a month and you can hit that subscribe button there all of my content goes up at motonz.com thank you so much for joining me there and a new video every week on YouTube search out motonz Otherwise, I've been Ray. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch, email me, t7adventuresnz at gmail.com. Keep the rubber side down, the throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time.